in this age of digital transformation, sometimes IT operations is downplayed as just not that sexy enough. People still often think about it as keeping the lights on, tending to those legacy installments. Uh, no. Hi, I'm Scott Smith for ThinkCast, and the truth is, strong infrastructure and operations management is the foundation of any digital success. But what are the trends that are right now most impacting I&O, and thus the organization's future? Dave Capuccio is the Chief of Infrastructure Research at Gartner. He'll also be speaking at the Gartner IT Operations Strategies and Solutions Summit in Orlando, Florida, May 8th to 10th. But right now, he's graciously joined us on the phone to look at the top tech trends most impacting I&O. Dave, welcome. And you focused on 10 trends in your research, but was there a common thread among them? Uh, Probably the common thread is that there are so many things happening in the marketplace right now that companies are starting to realize they just can't keep up. I guess the big trend we're seeing is that... uh, there's a lot going on with how to use environments more efficiently. I guess how not to procure uh, new assets rather than focusing on how to get the most of the existing assets. There's a big push now towards things like uh, you know, reducing data center spend, uh, reducing cloud spend, uh, taking a hard look, uh, I guess a cost optimization look at how we do things and why we do things rather than just continuing going out and buying new. Uh, that's one thing. I guess the other is that um, there's an interesting trend that's happening where a lot of the technologies that people are adopting now or a lot of the, the things they're starting to work on, whether it be IoT or cloud or whatnot, the cascade effects or the uh, the secondary impact is that the staff themselves and IT organizations are feeling a pretty big hit. And the hit is from an education, training, adaptability, flexibility point of view, not the resources, just they don't have the skills which very much sounds like it ties back into that first point, that in this case it's coming so fast and furious it's hard to keep up even from that training standpoint. Exactly, exactly. It's an interesting problem that IT has over the years. We've got two major objectives in life, and they are completely contradictory. The first one is to protect the business. Everything IT does is to make sure we don't mess things up, make sure that those changes happen in a controlled manner so that it doesn't impact the business if something fails, make sure that any new technology that's put in place is vetted first really well. And the secondary objective is do things fast, enable the business, make sure they can get to markets quickly. And they completely contradict each other, but we have to do both. So all those things drive that rapid change and drive that, I guess, discontent inside many IT shops that they can't keep up. Um, let's look at some of the trends. These are the top 10 trends that are impacting infrastructure and operations. And I wish we had time to go through all 10. We do not. We will certainly at the end uh, direct listeners to where they can get more information and see the full scope of these trends and all the details that go with it. But I picked out a few of them that I was, uh, that really caught my attention. Uh, Let's start with, love this phrase, the disappearing data center. What's going on there? That's an interesting one. It came out of the uh, all the activities happening with cloud services in the last few years, and actually the airline magazines saying you know the world is going to the cloud and advertising these companies that were 100% based in the cloud. And the more we talked to clients, the more we realized how that wasn't true. But the interesting question we were getting from a lot of clients was, you know, how fast do I go, and what provider do I use? And then the secondary question generally was, and what happens to all the stuff I can't move? So as we talked to more and more clients, we realized what was happening was, well, two things, I guess you'd say. One of them was that cloud became not a place to go, but it became 
every time part of the conversation. So as an example, when a new application was proposed by the business or needed by the business, many companies started thinking, not how do I make it work within my existing infrastructure, but where can I find it? Is it available somewhere else? Or is there some provider who already supports this type of application? And we use that. So the first step was looking at IT not as a person or an organization that delivers iron, but one that delivers services. And if you do it from that perspective, suddenly where the applications run becomes not as relevant as what they're doing and what the requirements of the business are. So when people started to take that look at the world, they started to look long-term and saying, okay, if we do that and we start moving workloads or assigning new workloads to different locations to different providers, what happens to our existing data center? So we did a survey of uh, actually a number of analysts inside Gardner, and we looked at, based on the calls they're getting, what type of workloads are moving where, or what type of workloads are projected to move where based on what they're hearing from clients. And we just broke it into three broad categories. One was moving towards what's called the public cloud, the one we all, all clients know about, you know, let's say Amazon with uh, you know, very elastic services. Um, it's a shared environment. Businesses seem to love it because they spin up service very quickly and get the resources they want very quickly. That's one version. Another platform, another option is what I call license cloud or the as-a-service model. Now, whether it's uh, you know, Salesforce.com or Microsoft Azure or Office 365, or it's taking a, a known process or a known service that you're running yourself and moving it to some external provider. I mean, you can argue we've been doing those kind of services for the last 45 years. I mean, how long ago did ADP start selling payroll services externally? You know, we didn't call it a cloud back then. It was the same concept, though. It's done externally. But I think we called it an external service provider. So that's the second platform. And the third one is, uh, what about those, those applications that either, because of the platform they're running on, you know, big Unix platform or maybe a mainframe, those aren't capable to go to the cloud because those providers don't have that capability. Or those applications, which they're, they're older, they're legacy, but they're incredibly important. And in many cases, other applications were built and tightly tied to them. And those tight links make them very, very difficult to move or to rebuild or replatform. So those, in many cases, are going to stay on-premises. So you've got those three categories. And if you look at those three, uh, we then ask the analysts, you know, what's the percentage of workloads going where for the next eight to 10 years? And it turns out that um, we're projecting now between eight and 10 years, the average data center is going to be running about 24 to 28% of its existing workload. So the physical data center requirement will be a lot less. And the rest of the workloads will be split between those other two categories I talked about. So it is a shrinking data center. The real question becomes, how do you manage it? Do you get rid of it? Do you move to, a, let's say, a co-location facility with a much smaller footprint? Or do you shrink? Uh, what some, some people have said they're already in a data center which is far too small. So what they do is they started to move workloads off and using the remaining space, or they freed up space as longer-term growth for those production systems to stay on-premises. One of the things that Gartner is predicting is that by the year 2020, there will be more than 20 billion things connected to the Internet of Things, more than 20 billion devices, apps, etc. I think right now I'd say we already have more than 20 billion articles, uh, white papers, uh, executive directives about the Internet of Things. So with that said, what is the impact of the IoT on I and O? Right now it is 
I wouldn't say it's minimum, but it, if you look at most businesses who are implementing some variation on IoT or the IoT, um, from the business perspective first. So the, the impact on INO is not that great. Depends on the type of, of implementation we're talking about. In most cases, people are implementing what we call closed-loop systems. So, you know, it solves a specific problem. Let's say I'm a hospital and, or, or a, a healthcare facility, and I want to put sensors, say, on all the hospital beds. Uh, so detect motion or detect moisture or whatever. Simple solution. Late at night, somebody moves. Nursing station gets highlighted real quick. It saves me having to send a physical body around to all the rooms, uh, you know, every 20 minutes to make sure things are fine. This way, I know immediately if somebody's moving when they normally wouldn't be, I can dispatch somebody quickly. Better customer service, better resource management. There's a whole lot of upsides, but it's closed loop and it's done for one specific reason. In many cases, I and O is not involved with that. But if you extend this and you say you've got multiple groups doing different solutions, there might be some situations where it's the data they're collecting could be used at a, either near time or eventually for analytics. We're finding right now in many cases, most IoT solutions, the analytics has to be done fairly quickly and fairly close uh, because of latency. So you've got to recall these little edge environments where all the analytics are done. But the real question is, of all the data being captured, can some of it be used later possibly and maybe melded with other data from other environments to get uh, something that, that the business could use. In those cases, that's when I.O. has to get involved. Long-term data storage, building data farms, data lakes, um, it's, it could be pretty dramatic in some cases, depending on the type of business we're talking about. So right now, the impact on I.O. is fairly small. We think it's going to start escalating fairly rapidly. So it's the key for I.O. today is to begin to get at least a few people involved with what the business is doing and why. You know, getting an understanding of the marketplace, who the players are, who the consortiums are for the IoT, getting some ideas of what other companies are doing. So when it's time for IO to get involved, there won't be a mad scramble to try and catch up to what the business has already done. We'll have a clear understanding of what has been done and what can be done. Dave, thank you. Vice President and Distinguished Analyst Dave Capuccio is the Chief of Infrastructure Research at Gartner. He's also featured on a webinar on this very topic, which you'll find at Gartner.com slash webinars. And he'll be presenting, along with his colleagues and other great speakers, at the Gartner IT Operations Strategies and Solutions Summit, May 8th to 10th in Orlando, Florida, one of several Gartner INDO events across the globe. You can get full details on the Orlando event at Gartner.com slash events slash NA slash infrastructure hyphen operations hyphen management. And check out more of what Dave and his colleagues have to say in our other ThinkCast discussions at Gartner.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to ThinkCast via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. And when you're there, let us know how we're doing by giving us a rating. I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.